Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. When they come back, if blossoms do, I always feel a doubt if blossoms can be born again when once the art is out. When they begin, if robins may, I always had a fear I did not tell. It was their last experiment last year. When it is May, if May return, had nobody a pang lest in a face so beautiful he might not look again? If I am there, one does not know what party. One may be tomorrow. But if I am there, I take back all I say. Hello and welcome to Cop On Podcast, a very special Cop On Podcast. You stout and majestic corn puff. Those opening lines were from one of my very favourites, Emily Dickinson. And in this bumper two-disc limited edition platinum collector's item box set, you will first hear Jamie Bryan Doug from the excellent dugout YouTube channel and me look forward to Liverpool versus Leeds United through our red-tinted world champion sunglasses and then around the hour mark I was delighted to interview a very very dear friend Adam a no longer long-suffering Leeds United fan who gives us tons of insight into the challenge awaiting Liverpool on Saturday afternoon from a Leeds perspective. I'm getting excited about this. Viva football! Viva the Premier League! Enjoy! Um, the weekend's coming up. I mean, the most obvious question, the most obvious place to start is the Premier League's the Premier League's starting again, obviously, on Saturday, and it's freaking exciting. How, how how are you feeling about it, Doug? Absolutely buzzing. I can't wait for the start of the season. I've just you you know you know when you you know when you're like uh, like it's Christmas Eve and you like you go to bed. I'm just feel, I'm feeling like a kid on Christmas Day. Just can't wait for it to begin. Yes, okay, we have to wait till half past five. But the way will will be worth it. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the new season. Yeah, absolutely marvelous. Yeah, Jamie, does it feel like Christmas? Uh, Christmas, birthday, and and all the other celebrations. I mean, we've waited so long to start the season, defending champions, best time team in England, and I just can't wait for the defence of our title and to see our beautiful team back on the pitching. They are beautiful, aren't they? Absolutely marvelous stuff. Brian, how are you feeling? Yeah, excited. Really excited. And I, I think I mentioned last time in the last podcast that it's, it's kind of a special game for me because my dad was a Leeds fan. So, you know, in, in celebration of him, we're going to absolutely batter Leeds. Just, <laughs> just <laughs> and I'll laugh. I'll, I'll raise a glass to him wherever he is to go. <laughs> there you go. Um, so I can't wait. Great great to get back to some competitive football. Uh, yeah, it's nice to know you're feeling confident. I have to say, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm a little bit nervous because um, I was just looking, um, we've, we've only kept three clean sheets in eight competitive fixtures uh, since we came back from, um, from the lockdown. So uh, I'm not even including uh, Watford and, 
and Atletico Madrid and things like that. It's uh, it's it's not. They, I don't know. Leeds United, they, their style with Marcelo Bielsa. Hopefully, we can record this and I can make a podcast out of this. And if I've managed to do this, then um, you know you will hear from uh, my friend Adam, who's a big Leeds fan, uh, who I interviewed last night. Um, and Adam uh, told me about Bielsa. We had a long chat about how his uh, basically his tactics are. A bit like Red Bull Salzburg, um, really intense, huge on the fitness, you know, it's non-stop intensity, things like that. Um, I don't know if I'm alone in in being nervous about it, but, uh, you know, Liverpool leads. Um, are you predicting, a, you know, a, a win, Jamie, an easy win for the Reds, the defending champions, one of the best teams in, in the world? Am I being too paranoid? Definitely predicting a win. Don't think it'll be easy. Um, I'm not worried about our defence. I'm not worried about the clean sheets. I think Virgil is perfect, but he's human. And I think he went on holiday a little bit at the end of the season. I think job done, best defender in the world, won us the Champions League, won us the league, got on the ale, and those last eight games, <laughs> the last eight games. <laughs> starting again, defending the title, and I think he'll be back at the top of his game. Um, Leeds... Okay. I think Bielsa organises them really well. We've seen with other seasons that they start training and then sometimes fade. And that's not just his Leeds team, that's throughout his career. But the squad to overcome, you know, this, this Leeds team, they may have a lot of energy, but they don't have the class of the Liverpool side they'll be facing them. We would hope so. We would hope so. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we've got lots of uh, lots of things to think about in my hastily put together agenda. Um, uh, pre-season, your general feelings about pre-season, Doug. Um, 3-0 versus Stuttgart, 2-2 versus Red Bull Salzburg, 1-1 uh, versus Arsenal, and then the loss on penalties and the Community Shield, of course. And then that um, weirdly fascinating match against Blackpool on the weekend. Uh, so just pre-season general thoughts. You could go go wherever you like with it. Um, so, yeah, Doug, what do you think pre-season? Pre-season um, started well. Um, obviously, we, we started well with a 3-0 win, and then obviously it was 2-2 with Salzburg, and then obviously we obviously had Arsenal. Um, and then that Blackpool game was just weird. Absolutely weird. Um, I know we were... I was th- I was thinking, oh no, here we go as deja vu again from 2010 when we lost 2-1 to Blackpool at Anfield. But um, but no, we absolutely blitzed them in that second half. Um, Mina Mino has been a rare um, sort of bright spell about uh, pre-season, I think. I think Mina Mino could actually start at the weekend. I think he is, I think him and Keita are definitely a uh, chance to uh, start this week um, against Leeds. Um but do you know what? It's pre-season. It's, it's everything about getting you know fitness, etc. Um, but yeah, I think I think Keita, Minamino, and Brewster have all come out as uh, plus points from this pre-season. It, I'm I'm so excited, Brian. It looks like Nabi Keita is finally going to realise his potential, um, and Minamino and Curtis Jones. Um, I put on Twitter three three new signings, Brian. Am I am I am I you know just rolling out the tired old cliches, or is yes. there some truth behind it, Brian? 
Yeah, no, I think so. I mean, I, I, I think if you listen to the other podcasts around on the guys, the Anfield rap were saying the same thing. Uh, at the risk of sounding cliche, they were saying it. It's like having new signings. Uh, um, Curtis Jones, I mean, he looks like a player. He looks like a first-team player. He really does. He just struts about like he, you know, he, he he's supposed to be there. And uh, as Doug says, you know, Tacky was just just brilliant. He's like uh, the Coutinho of old, you know, the one Coutinho used to be fun. <laughs> and, yeah. not, and not moaning all the time and trying to get get away from us, you know. Uh, he, he looks like he's going to be a fun player uh, to enjoy over the next few years. And uh, I think with the, I have to be honest with you, with the, the preseason, like there's a couple of games I didn't even realize they were on. And I just went onto my laptop and I'm like, oh, shit, Blackpool's starting in 20 minutes. So I think the Salzburg game, we were already 2-0 down when I realized we were actually playing. And uh, so um, I'll be honest with you, when we went 2-0 down against Blackpool, I was like, okay, right, maybe we might have some problems here. We might have some issues. And then I realized, you know, our game is completely about intensity. It's like, that's it. It starts at intensity. It ends at intensity. If we don't have the intensity, I don't think our team's anything. We're just, uh, we, we, if, if the intensity is not there, the press is not there, the, the ferociousness, the tackles are not there, we're not the same team. It's like night and day. And I, and I could hear Klopp saying to Fabinho, I think, make a tackle. <laughs> Be there. There was at one stage there was the audio picked up on that, you know, and you could tell he was just frustrated because Fabinho looked like he was just in second gear for, for most of that game. And then the second half came along and it was just night and day. It was just suddenly we were hunting down in packs. There was an intensity. I remember thinking to myself, that's it. That's our game. Basically, if we don't play like that, we're not a great team. We're, we're an okay team. We're, we're a decent team, but we're just a normal team. But when we play like when we play with intensity, we're we're special, and I think that kind of intensity doesn't sometimes doesn't lend itself well to preseason, because even though Klopp has a reputation of training like he wants players to play, there's going to be a bit of a player that says I don't want to get injured just before the season starts. I'm going to hold something back in the tank, kind of thing. But I think you know I think he must have just given the hairdryer treatment at uh, halftime and gave him what for because this you know the, the the second half was just it was just a revelation. it was just fun to watch wasn't it you know so yeah i mean i'm i'm hoping uh come come leads uh that we see that intensity straight from the get-go because you say they leads and their manager play a certain way but we are the number one team in the world right now for playing that way so so let's if they want to play with intensity let's play with intensity and see who can come off, you know, and I mean, same with Salzburg, Salzburg play with intensity, you know, the, the, the American coach there is like Klopp Jr., you know, Klopp Jr., he's, um, you know, he, he plays that same kind of passion, he, he really lights a rocket up their arses when they're playing, and, um, and, and that's what we're the best at, so, I mean, if they want to play as a, a passion, let's play, that's, that's great, I mean, as long as you don't sit back, I mean, even if I do that, okay, fine. But, I mean, I'm all for it. If they want to just try and outpassion us at Anfield, even an empty Anfield, let's, let's go. I like it. Bring them all on. <laughs> it's Brian's attitude. I like it. Yeah, very good. 
Jamie, what what stands out for you from uh, from pre-season? I mean, there's there's tons to talk about, but uh, what do you want to talk about? Yeah, I agree with Brian that um, that link up team, Bobby and Tappy, the little shade of that Phil and Mo link up that we had a couple of years ago, the season that Phil left us. And we had that pre-season where they were just finding each other so nicely. And then obviously that, like, until January when Phil left, was probably the best we ever saw him play for us. I mean, if he played that whole year, I'd say he would have been, you know, De Bruyne level of assists, goals, so on. He, you know, it could have been the best season of Coutinho's career. And then he made the worst decision of his career, but, you know. Um, so that was pretty cool. I never really cared that much about pre-season, particularly with Klopp. You know he's going to run down. You know they're going to be starting until they vomit. Um, there's no way that you can do that and care about results because he's quite clearly getting them in shape for the season. So Stuttgart, Salzburg, you know, even to a degree Arsenal, take it all with a pinch of salt. Um, it's interesting. Curtis Jones looks like he's grown. He looks like a man now. Like he's, you know, whether it's just having had a few games, a bit of weight and a bit more shortness, but you see him in the middle look like a kid in a Liverpool shirt trying to make it, you know, trying to make it. He looks like, right, Lallana's gone. This is my place in the squad. I'm one of the, the men now in this squad, and I'm excited for him. Um, I'm not that worried about us not having signed a defender because, in theory, having three top, you know, central defenders, so it's going to be Van Dijk with, you know, one of Gomez and Matic and Billy as number four or Fabinho number five I think we've probably got enough and um, yeah I, th- I think the squad's taking shape and it's good to see them all back but as for the results I don't you know I'm not really worried about those draws at all yeah great great answer yeah very very reasonable stuff um, Billy you hesitated to put him in as, as number four centre back he'll be number one better than Virgil van Dijk in six <laughs> months you watch this face he's better than Barese um, yeah We've had a comment from Tom. Thanks for thanks for watching, Tom. Thanks for comment commenting. You know uh, all of your comments. We will talk about them as we go. Tom says you'll be in for a nasty shock if you think Liverpool are going to batter Leeds. I think yeah, I agree with you, Tom. Brian's not in your camp. Brian said we're going to win seven nil, aren't you? Um, better, you know we're going to batter them at least. Uh, but no, great. Thanks a lot for the thanks a lot for the comment, Tom. That's great. Yeah, keep them coming in. Um, Yes, we're going to move on to to the starting lineup. We're going to try together to 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 pick a starting lineup for Leeds. We've seen how we've done in preseason, um, you know, and and of course all of our form from last season. Uh, and it's quite tricky, especially as we get into the midfield. So the back five, okay, Allison, obviously. Uh, and then the back for Trent, uh, apparently he's okay, apparently he played for England, I didn't watch it, don't give two hoots about the England <laughs> national team, uh, so uh, I, uh, apparently Trent's back, so Trent, Virgil, uh, Gomez and Robbo, I, I mean, you know, any disagreement? No. Okay, we'll move on. Uh, so the midfield is where it gets very interesting because I'm assuming Klopp has experimented with four-two-three-one in preseason. It hasn't looked that good for me, but I would I would personally go with a four-three-three. Now, who the heck are you going to put in that midfield? So the front three is the front three. Okay, that's easy. We don't need to talk about it. So the midfield. 
Now, let's think about our options. Let's start there. Uh, so you could go, for example, Jeannie Vinealdum, Minimino, and Cato. You could go Fabinho, Vinealdum, Cato. You can, who else have we got? James Milner, who I, we didn't talk about yet, you know, pre-season. I think he's been fantastic in pre-season. You've got James Milner in midfield. Who else have we got in midfield? We've got so many options. I forget. Who am I forgetting? I don't know. Who would you go with, Doug, in that you're midfield? Uh, I'm going to go with Fab, Keita and Minamino. Fab, Keita and Minamino. So no genie. You're going to piss genie off and he's going to leave for Barcelona at half time. <laughs> I've I've just I've just got a feeling he won't play. Um, I think I think there's a move in the pipeline. I don't think he's going to be uh, playing uh, the weekend. Um, he may come off the bench, but I've just got a funny feeling that he will go with Fab Keita. Uh, and to be honest, I think Minamino deserves a start for the way he played against Blackpool. I I honestly do. Um, I was very very impressed with him, and. Um, you know what? I think Minamino and Keita are going to be very, very important this season. And I think you'll see them probably starting more games than we think. So Minamino in a, in a number eight, because Naby was making some lovely tackles, wasn't he, when he was tracking back in, in pre-season. Um, so Minamino in an eight as well, so we can track back sort of box to box. Is that is that what you would say? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm To be honest, I'm really looking forward to that that midfield three. Um, Fab, Keita, Minamino, I mean, we saw it. We saw it in the, you know, the Blackpool game that, you know, okay, Fabinho didn't have the best of the first half, but second half, you, you could actually see them really, really coming out of, of their shell, and it was a very, very good performance from, from all three of them. And I think, I think looking at it, I think Minamino deserves more start. I mean, like I said, he has been a big plus in uh, coming into uh, pre-season. Even in coming on against Arsenal, him and Keita changed the game against Arsenal, so I think if they start, then I think I think it could be a uh, could be an exciting midfield to be honest. It's very very attacking. I know that for a fact, but um, I do think that those three will start in midfield. It would be so attacking. It would be so it would be beautiful to watch, wouldn't it? But uh, what the guy I was forgetting was Curtis Curtis Jones. Uh, would he have a place in in your midfield, Jamie? Who would you what what three would you go for? I don't think Cato and Minamino start together in a four three three. Right, so it's a, if it's a big game, fully fit, we know that Fab and Henderson play with one other. And that'll be, you know, Cater, Minamino, Jones, whoever. Obviously, we don't think Henderson's going to be there, but I think he'll still construct the midfield in the same way. So like, definitely Fab, one of Cater and Minamino, and one of Will of Milner and Wijnaldum. And it'll depend on Wijnaldum, it'll depend on how he's playing. But if his head's in the right place, he's you know, an ever-present. And I think, you know, our strongest midfield for Leeds, if Wijnaldum looks like he's staying, looks like his head's there, is going to be Fab, Ginny, and Cater. Um, but if he doesn't 3-1, I think he stays Minamino, but only if he's got a double pivot at the back to, to sort of set them free. See, it's interesting. You, you both gone for, gone for Fabinho. Um, in the last episode, Brian, you were talking about, you know, some doubts over his his play do you, rec- do, would you keep him in the t- in your team brian yeah i'm i'm about to go left field <laughs> uh, i uh fabinho has annoyed me for a while and that same annoyance that i heard in klopp's voice when he was i think speaking to him 
that's how I've been feeling with him for a while now. I mean, I, I really like the guy, and he reminds me of you know Momosuka when he was on form. When he's a monster, he's a real monster. But when he's he takes his foot off the gas a little bit, I think uh, that position is such a difficult position to play in. And if you're not totally on it and in the flow, uh, you can the drop off is quite big. Uh, I you know I think some of actually if you look if you analyze our preseason. And you, it seemed like there was an awful lot of um, night and day performances in games where you're watching a game and you think, Jesus, <laughs> like, you know it's a preseason, okay? I'm, I'm definitely of the same. I'm in that camp of, like, preseasons are just getting minutes into the legs. I don't really take them that seriously. Um, but at the same time, you know, sometimes you see a preseason game that kind of worries you, right? Because this is the start of the team. Like, most, this is a weird preseason for me because preseason, Previous pre-seasons, you would see a lot of uh, development players, a lot of players who are on their way out. There would be like 15 pre-season games. It was more like a, hey, look at this player. Wouldn't you like to buy him <laughs> kind of thing? But this time it was like our, our starting 11 nearly every, every single game. And the starting 11 was having problems. And it was only when the, the supporting cast came in in the second half many times, like Tacky or um, Curtis, um, you know, that there was a, or even um, my favorite, um, Harry. I mean, they kind of injected something different. And I think one of the things that I thought, I don't know if I'm correcting this or not, it's because that anchor position is so important in Liverpool in the way we play. If, if he's not quite on it, if he's not, if he's not pushing the play forward and instead just kind of, a little bit pedestrian, the whole thing slows down to a crawl price. So, I mean, I'm wondering, because I think Naby played in that position for Salzburg a couple of times when he used to be there. I don't know, maybe not, I don't know. But not, not really. No. no, he was never really the number six. He was he was sort of box to box, do everything for uh, when okay. he was at Leipzig. But Jimmy uh, played there, yeah. right? I mean, I, I think, look, yeah. the great thing about Liverpool, modern Liverpool for me, is a reflection of Klopp. Klopp's a decent guy. He realizes, look, we're all. This is a job. These guys are all like, yeah. The guys love the team. They love the, the city. They love the culture. But it's a job. And um, you know, if Genie wants to go to Barca, so you know, good for him. You know, it goes with our blessing. And uh, he's a professional. And so I'm pretty sure he will play his heart out for the for this for the for the badge right up until the day, the last day. Of the, you know, wherever he has to go. It's not like it's a. There's no sense that there's any kind of bad blood brewing here between Genie and, 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 and the club, right? So if it's a case he's got a, he wants to go, okay, go. You know, he's 29 or, you know, whoever old he is, you know, so he maybe he wants to play for Barcelona. Who knows? You know, so I think, I think he's definitely an option. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, unless there is like a, a clause in from Barca saying don't play him <laughs> or we're not going to buy him, right? Right. But if that's not the case, it could be the case. I would play him. He's just so solid, you know, and... and so Genie in the six with yeah. Jones and Cater or Minamino and Cater? The first person on my list would be Cater, straight away. Cater gets in. He's the first, He's like a no-brainer. Get him in there. He's, he's played his way into the position. That used to be Fabinho. He used to be the guy first on the list, but now I've got question marks over him. But Cater, definitely. Um... Genie, definitely. Regardless of whether, if we can play him, if there's no, if that doesn't cause a problem with any kind of transfer, I would put him in. No brainer in any position, whatever position. Maybe he's at the base. Maybe he's in the Fabinho role, or maybe he's over where Hendo is. 
and uh, then the rest, like you know, it's then it's a it's a it's a coin flip. I mean, do you go with? I mean, if you had a genie and Nabby, then maybe you could put Taki in there as well. I don't know, but Milner is an option, right? He, you know, he's a we forget, and he's an absolute class mid midfield player. Like he's he's playing out of position and doing a really good job of it. Um, so he's a very solid option to have as well. So maybe I'd go with Milner, uh, Nabby, and Genie. Great answer. So we're stuck. We're stuck with all these different options. We cannot <laughs> agree. Um, Fabinho gets into both of your teams, Doug and Jamie. You've heard the argument against so succinctly and uh, what's the word? Um, delicately put by Brian. Um, so uh, has he convinced you to leave him on the bench, Doug? No, sorry, Brian. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm afraid. I think I I I absolutely love Fabinho. I absolutely love him. Uh, I think I think he's okay. Okay, like post lockdown, he he wasn't he wasn't great. But I mean, I think I think he was our best player up until he got injured last season, and then just something something's changed. And I've got an insane stat about James Milner. I don't know if I don't know if anyone has seen this. If James Milner starts or comes on against Leeds. He will have played in Leeds' last 31 Premier League games. <laughs> wow. Wow. He's amazing. Yeah, he's a phenomenon. Yeah, and he played, yeah, the last time he played at Anfield, it's true, it was when Peter Reid was the manager all those many years ago. And they had loads of Liverpool players, uh, ex-Liverpool players in that team, like Nick Barnby, who I forgot had played for Leeds. I looked that up the other day. But yes, interesting stuff. Um Leeds, uh, yeah, okay. So Fabinho, you're keeping him in. You're keeping in yeah. Fabinho, definitely. Jamie, is yeah. he staying in your team, Fabinho? Yeah. I don't think Klopp starts against Leeds without at least one recognised six. So if it's not Henderson, it's going to be Fabinho. And I think from everything we've read, it's not going to be Henderson. We need legs, and Fabinho definitely provides that. We need a bit of strength. He also provides that. I don't think he's just going to drop, you know, Nabi or Ginny suddenly into the sixth role for the first game of the season. So even if his form has wavered, I think he's definitely going to play because he's twice the player that Sissoko even was. And even a slightly rusty fab is going to be better than any of the other options in that position. Well, change my mind. Fabinho must start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Have a word with yourself, Brian. Have a word. No, yeah, very, very good. Jamie, you convinced me as well. Although I will say, I agree with you, yet Fabinho should start, mainly for the reason that, that you say that, you know, it's, bit unfair to put someone who's not used to playing the six in that role like Genie, even though he's done it before. Yeah, no, great. But I will tell, I, I, you know, if I were Bielsa and I would, you know, I know that you know that he's been up until 5 a.m. every night looking at videos of like, you know, how many touches with what part of the foot Fabinho has been using more than any other. You know, he's, he's absolutely manic and meticulous. Stan Collymore used the word manic on Twitter to describe Bielsa. Brilliant word for him, uh, apparently. Uh, and uh, yeah, so you know he's been analysing the heck out of Liverpool. And if I were him, I would... He would be the one to target with my press every day, every day if I were setting up a team to play against Liverpool because he's been taking two and three touches where one or two would, would you know, would have been better. 
so it just looks a shade off it. So I'm, I, I, you know, diplomatically, I'm agreeing with you all. Yes, he's a little bit off the pace, but yes, also he would play in my team, and I'd just make sure that he's. I would bar him from taking three touches. If he took three touches, I would fine him half of his wages. Uh, but yeah, good. Starting lineup is all very, very exciting, isn't it? Um, so uh, yeah, let's move on then. I just want to talk about things because you know the, the the other thing that's going on, of course, or not going on, is um, uh, transfers, right? So of course, Vinaldo to Barcelona looks like it's probably on because he has signed a new contract, etc. Uh, then Thiago Alcantara, who knows? Um, we don't know. Nobody knows. If James Pierce doesn't know, nobody knows. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so we're not going to spend time on any conjecture of if they're coming or not. I want to look at our squad and just ask a very, very, very simple question as we go through the squad. Um, are they good enough to win the league again? Okay, so we're going to start. I've got the, the whole list of the Liverpool squad somewhere, in case I forget someone like I often do. Yes, I've got it in front of me now. So, in goal, stupid question, Alison Becker, is he good enough? Yes. Yeah. One of the best goalkeepers in the world. If not the best, you could say him and Oblak, you maybe mention one or two others, <laughs> maximum two others. He's unbelievable goalkeeper, so he's good enough. At the back, okay, we've got to look at our depth as well. So, at right back, you've got Trent and as backup, you've got Nico Williams. And I'm going to talk about this, so we need two players for every position, okay? So we can highlight if we need any areas to improve. So, at right back, Jamie, you've got Trent and Nico Williams, okay? We're going to imagine the worst. Imagine that there's an injury to Trent this season. Would you trust Nico Williams? Have we got enough at right back for you? I think we do if the centre-backs are all fit. Because I think in a game where Klopp's worried, he can always put Gomez back there. And I think that in a game where we're likely to be dominating the ball, that Williams probably has enough to... Look, if Trent does his cruciate and misses the whole season, then no. But you can't prepare for a year on one of our best players is going to miss the whole year. But if it's a run of, say, seven or eight games between Williams and Gomez sharing that position, I think, yeah, we're probably fine. And, of course, Keanu Hoover, who I've forgotten. OK, would you, would you agree with that, Doug? We're, we're, we're sorted at right back. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with Jamie. I think, um, obviously, can we just say well done to Nico Williams on getting his first international goal for Wales the other day. Yes. Uh, fantastic header. Yeah. Um, from one Williams to another is, uh, is what the commentator said in that game. Um, but no, big, big well done to him for getting his first international goal. But yeah, like I said, like obviously we've got Trent, we've got um, Keanu Hoover uh, as well, who I think I think is going to be a very very important player again. I think I think looking looking at it as as Jamie said, yeah, Gomez can go to right back as well, especially if we're like chasing a chasing the game uh, as well. I I honestly I honestly think looking at our right backs, Trent Williams Hoover. Um, and yeah, Gomez if he has to go there, yeah, yeah I, th I think we're pretty sound at right back. 
Um, excellent answer. I, I would agree. I think I think we're doing all right here yeah, between those three and and Gomez, as you say, right back. Brian, any any disagreements quickly or no? No. no okay. <laughs> excellent. Marvelous. All on the same boat. We're we're all right at right back unless it's a long term injury. Then uh, it's a bit more difficult. But we'll we'll assume we will touch wood and you know cross fingers and everything, and it, you know, it won't happen. Centre backs then. If we need two centre backs for each position, okay, then then you know, sorry, two players for each position, then we need four centre backs. Virgil, Joel Matip, Joe Gomez, and Billy, the kid I'm putting him in. Or of <laughs> course you got the you got the you got the um you know the option of Fabinho playing centre back, and I, as I've said, I, you know, I said on on Connor on the uh, LFC council the the other day, um, I love Fabinho at centre back. I think that could be in the future his best position, actually. Um, uh, but yeah, so I think we're fine, Brian, at centre back. You know, and you know, what do you think? What do you think of our centre backs? Better than better than anything else out there. I mean, better than yeah. Manchester City, even though they spent three hundred million on theirs or whatever. Harry Maguire. That's all I'll say. Harry Maguire. <laughs> is he out yet? Is he? Is he back? I don't know. Who knows? He's on the run. <laughs> um, listen, Billy. Billy the kid. There's only some players that arrive to training on a horse. And Billy's also one of those players. <laughs> that guy. Oh my God. Are he's 17 years old. Holy shit. Uh, he looks brilliant. He looked, I mean, yeah, a little bit slow in times or whatever, but I, I like the look of him. He looks amazing. And then I'm with you. I just think in my ins, I remember watching Kara play at right back. And I remember saying to people, he's going to be a great center back sometime. And like, oh God, no, he's not. He's not going to be a center back. Kara at center back. like, trust me, he'll be great center back. I think the same with Fabinho. Fabinho just has centre back written all over him. He just, you know, he seems like he's playing out of position <laughs> in that role. I think eventually uh, I, I can see him dropping back there and being amazing in that role. So I, I think, yeah, I think we're great. I mean, we've got, as you say, we've got Joe, we've got Matip, we've got Virgil, we've got, yeah, we, I mean, I think centre back's fine. For me, anyway, it's covered. I wouldn't go out and spend any of that very scarce. A resource called money uh, on a centre back right now. Um, so if we go into the new season with this squad, I'll be I'll be completely fine with with those centre back options. I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's a really good it's a really good point because look, I've I've listened to a load of podcasts like you do, Brian, and uh, probably everybody does, and it, it's 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 a common theme. It's like oh, we we need to we need to replace Lovren, of course centre-back no we don't we're, we're absolutely fine would anybody disagree would anybody think we do actually need to replace uh Dexy lover no okay then we're fine centre-back's fine left back <laughs> Doug we got we got um Andy Robertson the Scotland captain and uh Kostas Simikas is the pronunciation according to a Greek guy on Twitter who wrote it phonetically see Mikas with a stress on the middle syllable, okay? Simikas. It's not too hard. Anyway, we've got two of them, Doug. Um, they're, I mean, they're great. We've seen Costas for, what, 45 minutes, and he looks like Roberto Carlos, the Greek Roberto Carlos, but a bit more solid defensively. So we're, we're fine at left-back, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got Robertson, we've got, um, you know, we've got 
Simikas. Um, and also, if obviously, if James Moner has to come in as well, um, you know, we're we're pre- to be honest, I think the the main positions that we're really sound are, are for right back and left back. I think I think we're both sound there. So um, yeah, no 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 qualms about that one. Excellent stuff. Uh, yeah, left back, of course. Yeah, Jimmy Milner. He can he can slot in like a glove, like a hand into a silken glove. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Um, uh, so then we, we, we're going into we're going into midfield. We're going to assume a four-three-three formation, and in midfield, so we need six midfielders, six good midfielders. Chamberlain, of course, out again with a knee problem. We don't know how long he'll be out. He'll be out, but let's assume he's going to play some role this season. Uh, Chamberlain, uh, Henderson, Fabinho, Cater, uh, Minamino. Curtis Jones, at the moment, Jeannie Vinealdum. Who am I forgetting? Shakiri. Shakiri. But that's so that's that's seven if you include Jeannie Vinealdum. So even if we sold Jeannie and we didn't buy Tiago, this is the question, Jamie. Have we got enough in midfield? If we don't sign Thiago, we've got those six. Is that enough? I'm not sure I'm having Minamino in the list as a guaranteed okay. midfielder. But yeah, it's enough. As it is, if we don't sell Wijnaldum, it's enough. If we do sell Wijnaldum, it's not enough. Because we miss, or I think we'll miss someone to link the play like he does. I think what Cater does is fantastic in the more box-to-box role. But the quality of Wijnaldum and the consistency of Wijnaldum is something that we're going to miss like tremendously. And Wijnaldum has played something like, I think in the four years he's been with us, the fewest amount of league games he's played is 33 league games. I mean, he's everywhere. Like, he's, he's ever present. So to not replace him, I think, was a big problem. Because the players we have in the squad, there's too many of them who couldn't do that role. Like, Chamberlain couldn't do that role. Uh, Curtis Jones, it would be a lot to ask of him. Maybe he is able to do it, but we're still looking at someone in their first season. Um, and Minamino, if you're putting him in midfield and Cater, they don't really do that role. So I think there would be a hole if Genie left. But if he stays, then I'm very happy with the midfield. I remember who I've forgotten. Uh, James Milner, of course, the legend. So that's another one. Um, yeah, okay, so that's that's uh, eight or seven if you discount Minamino, or six if Vinaldum is sold. Um, yeah, that's the thing, we're going to miss Vinaldum if he does go. His skill set is unbelievable. We, we talked about that last time on, on Copon as well. Um, but I don't know, what do you think, Doug? Have we got enough in midfield? I think if Genie goes, then obviously the main priority will be Thiago, I think, um, to, to get him for sure. Um, but apart from that, we're pretty good for midfield again. Um, I mean, Curtis Jones, again, I think he's going to have a good season. Um, I think he's going to be needed as well. Our good friend um, Dave um, from Dave's LFC Chats, he was actually telling me that he thinks Curtis Jones is a guaranteed starter at some point this season. So high praise indeed. I think Curtis Jones is fantastic. And... You know, what a way to introduce yourself by scoring an absolute worldie against short arms Jordan Pickford in the Everton Cup game. That was just absolutely amazing. So, 
Um, but apart from that, apart from obviously the midfield options that we've obviously mentioned, I think we're pretty fine for midfield. Yes, it's a shame about Ox. I'm pretty sure he will come back um, fit as a fiddle, as they as they say. But um, yeah, I think I think I think I think we're absolutely fine for midfield. Oh, and um, the Welsh brethren, uh, Ben Woodburn as well from the list. He's technically still a difficult uh, Yeah. Um, it's, <laughs> it's a shame, isn't it, what happened, what happened to him? But so much talent, but just, you know, has it quite developed in the way that they hoped? Um, hopefully he can keep working hard and he can sort of rebuild, you know, his career. But he certainly seems to have, you know, apparently he struggled to get into, was it the Oxford United side um, last season on loan? So I, I, I think it was... Um, I think it's been it's been difficult difficult times for him. I think it was Oxford, but uh, yes, uh, yeah, don't quite count him. I'm afraid, Jamie. Yes, uh, but uh, no, these are very interesting answers. Um, I think it would be. I'd feel a lot happier with one more, given our injury uh, injury list. Even if we did keep Jimmy, I'd be happy with one more, and I would make it a defence midfielder. I said this before, but some kind of competition for Fabinho or. If you want to play Fabinho as well, then you could do a 4-2-3-1. Uh, but it just gives you a lot more options if you had another sort of defensive-minded player in midfield, I think. Um, but, yeah, OK, no, it's all very, very, very interesting stuff. Um, you know, of course, if we, if we sign Thiago, he starts, and then your options are pretty much endless. Um, but I... I don't think we're good in midfield. I don't know about you guys. I think like um, uh, Oxley Chamberlain, um, he's had some nasty, nasty injuries. Like the, 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 what he's come back from, you don't come back from those injuries usually. And the fact that he came back at all was was was. I wouldn't say it's a miracle, but it was amazing that he did that. And now, I mean, I, we were speaking a few episodes ago saying this is. You know, this is it for him this season. He he needs to he needs to put a flag down and really mark his space as I am a top top uh, footballer. You know, and he, he's just been so unlucky with injury and stuff like that. And he has that whiff of a player who could have been about him now. And I I, I really love the guy to pieces. I think he's a great guy. He's a great footballer. He you know he's got such explosion. And when he's on it, he's Nobody does what he does, um, but now I, I don't see. I think that's. I, I'd be pleasantly surprised if he comes back from this and he's like really pushing uh, for a starting position. So mentally, when I heard that, I thought he's gone. <laughs> you know, he, he's no longer an option in my head. Um, and Millie, even though Millie's a machine and he is a specimen, and you know they should. Basically, he should donate his body to science when he when he goes and he can look and see what the hell is going on with that guy's genetics. Uh, <laughs> time catches up on everybody, you know, and eventually his uh, his his speed will drop off pretty quickly. You know, he'll be brilliant one day, and then on Thursday he won't be. <laughs> you know, he'll be like, shit, what's happened to Millie? Right? <laughs> maybe maybe management is calling now. Uh, and then if Genie goes, like. Genie's so ever present in our team, Blas. He's just one of those unsung heroes that uh, that just doesn't get, doesn't pick up all the praises because he's not doing those disco balls, or you know, he's he's one of those players that just quietly gets on with his business uh, for the team. Um, so you take it, it looks highly likely that 
there's a, there's a very good chance that he's off to Barca. If we don't, if we don't sign Thiago, I, I would be genuinely worried because I don't think we have enough in there. Because Hendo also, I mean, Hendo's brilliant, but Hendo's had a few injuries as well, right? So they've all had uh, some injuries to that extent. There's no, there's no Virgil Van Dijk in the middle of the field. The closest thing we have Virgil Van Dijk in the middle of the field is Genie, in terms of consistency. You know, he's there, he shows up, he never has a bad game, he gets on with things. Um, I'm in the Curtis Jones fan club, for sure. I think whatever that special X factor is, he's got it, definitely. And I think he can handle it. But as Jamie says, it's his first season, you know? Uh, it's a lot of pressure. Because we, if we don't sign any players in midfield, we could end up, I can see it now, just before Christmas, people like Curtis Jones uh, carrying the weight of the team. <laughs> Like he he could be the guy who's like, come on, Curtis. There's so much pressure on him because I mean, Fabinho has been a bit hot and cold. If Fabinho can get his crack, his 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 game together, then brilliant. But I'm I'm with you, uh, Owen. I just think there's no obvious choice other than Genie to uh, support uh, Fabinho in a replacement. Like if, you, if if Fabinho's not playing, then the way we play football changes, right? And uh, yeah, you can put Hendo in there, but then you miss that. You miss a lot of what Hendo gives you in that in that other position. Um, so I don't know. I think that the only position I would be, I would really not feel comfortable going into the new season with is midfield. I think if we don't sign anybody in midfield, uh, especially if we lose Genie, that would be a that would be a concern for me because I think we might be spreading ourselves just a bit too thin. You know, it's like. If everything goes perfectly, then fine, no problem. We'll be okay. We can handle it. But football very rarely goes perfectly, right? Somebody that you're not expecting to, to be out injured, maybe they're out injured, and then, you know, we're up the, up the creek without a paddle. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I wonder if, if Billy the Kid can play them, like, seriously, as a defensive midfielder. I know, I mean, I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say you should put him on the wing soon, but... Um, imagine, imagine his height against the fullbacks. No, no, but no, no like honestly, defensive midfield in the 70 minutes that we've seen of Billy Kometian, which is rewritten football history, um, he has impressed me so much with his passing and his presence, you know, and uh. You know his his quickness as well. Okay, he made a mistake. He wasn't that quick for the for the you know, very obvious mistake against against um, Blackpool. But his general quickness of his passing was was good. Uh, both feet, different distances, short, medium, long passes, fabulous. And maybe he could play there. But yes, there's another thing that we really have to remember is that there are games, according to that I counted, we won't have a break until February. We were, yeah. When I say a break, I mean six days between a match until February if we stay in the cup competitions. So we're going to need a bigger squad than ever. And I think midfield, maybe, is, is uh, yeah, I, I think it, I agree. It is the place where we, we do need a reinforcement. But... We may have won, though. Pardon? I don't know if anyone watches enough German football, but... Technically, Gruzik is a defensively minded footballer. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. Yeah, forgot about him, the forgotten man. Even, you know, when they were the first ones back in the confinement, I don't think I really saw him play. But I have 
like heard things that he was he had a decent season and that he'd be very welcome back in the Bundesliga if we decide to sell him. So he might be that defensive minded option. He's yeah, not a number six. He really rates him as well, huh? I, I don't know because I, I heard that he was. You know, I don't know. They're still trying to get rid of him. To, to but I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they're all rumours. So nobody knows. But um, but no, he is. He, he's he's he can tackle, but he's more of a number eight box to box. He likes to get forward as well, though compared to a number six. But yes, you're very right to bring him up, Marco Grujic. Absolutely, we can't forget about him. He's, again, an option. We need numbers. We need numbers going forward. Uh, you know, our front three. You need two players for every position. Um, obviously, the front three, the main front three: Mane, Firmino, Salah, and then in reserve, Harvey Elliott, um, Divock Origi, Rian Brewster. Uh, Minamino, uh, am I forgetting some? Oh, yes, the f- another forgotten man who may not come back from a knee injury but might do because he's very young is Glatzel, who's back after 18 months out, who was setting the universe ablaze before his knee injury. But again, difficult injury. I think it was an ACL for, for, for Glatzel. But those are our options up front. Immediately for me, there's something missing there. Uh, what do you mean, Doug? Shakiri, <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, of course. Yes, Shakiri. But uh, Doug, what, what do you what do you reckon? If Manny or Salah get injured, then they're struggling. We are very very struggling. I, I know I know we've had we know Rodriguez, but you know he's played out in the wing too much, and I don't think he is a winger Rodriguez. So I. I think I think we've got a problem there. I I I was crying over Timo Werner. I I've been saying this for a while. We we really needed him because uh, I think I think it would have took pressure off uh, Bobby, in all honesty. But you know what? If Ryan Brewster can come through, then that'll be very very good. Um, but I do think we are short um, if Manny or Salah get injured. Um, I I totally agree. We're missing some pace uh, out wide, some pace. Uh, but uh, you know, you mentioned Brewster there. Um, how how optimistic are you that you know? Because it's been rumoured um, recently with a move to Aston Villa on a permanent transfer, not a loan, for twenty million. I, I heard. Um, uh, how confident are you that he can actually develop into um, a world class talent? Um, I I think I I am I'm, I'm confident for him. I think. He he has proven in pre-season that he can do it. Um, you know he was he was absolutely fantastic against um, you know um, Salzburg, and then obviously you know he got the goal against Stuttgart as well. Um, and yeah, obviously he missed the penalty, but you know what? You know I think I think everyone's missed a penalty in their lifetime as well. So, um, but I think Brewster can be that player who can come on for like the last sort of twenty minutes if we're if we're needing a goal. Because um, I I think he is a, I think he's a striker. He knows where the back of the net is. He was very good at Swansea. I would be very very disappointed if he was uh, sold to uh, to Aston Villa. I would be very very disappointed. So I I have got high hopes for them uh, for him, and um, I think he will be fine. I I hate the fact that people are criticising like Nico Williams and obviously Rian Brewster. Both of them have got bright futures ahead of them. Um, so. Obviously, like I think Brewster will have a good season, whether it is at us or elsewhere. But I, I'd be very disappointed if he if he went. 
Um, would you would you play if um, uh, worst case scenario again, Bobby and Tacky are both um, injured, so we've got a space in the middle of the front three. Would you play Origi or Brewster if the game was against Leeds this weekend? Brewster, hundred percent, hundred percent. I think he's a goal scorer. He knows where the back of the net is. Origi. I think if he plays Origi, I think he will be drafted out on the wing again. And we've seen that Origi, in the striking role, Everton last season, like obviously Newcastle last season, he's a handful. He's a handful up front. And, you know, I think looking at the, the striking options that we've got, you know, if Bobby or Taki get injured, then, you know, you could play, you could play Origi and Brewster. If that's the case, I don't know. I don't know how, how you feel about it. Brian, but you know, are they? I don't, is Origi surplus to requirements? I don't know. Are we lacking? What do you think we're lacking going forward, if anything? Again, considering that we've got games every three days until February. Um, I like Origi. He's um, he is what he is. You know, he's not going to change. He's not going to suddenly become <laughs> the player that we want him to be. You know, he's a legend. You know, that goes without saying. I think. I mean, I, I, I hate to bring up that other team in this podcast, but he just reminds me of Oli Oli Solskjaer when he was, you know, a player. You know, he's a he's a bench specialist. You know, he's a he's a great option to have on the bench to met to just to, to just to turn things up. You know, the last fifteen minutes, um, because I was watching him in preseason, and I think you know when last time we were speaking about him, he just lacks that intensity. Um, when he's on the pitch. He just reminds me of a striker of, of the 90s. He's on his heels. He's one of those old-fashioned strikers where he doesn't like to waste his energy. I'm here to score goals, you know, and uh, give me the ball, you know, that kind of thing. And that's all good and fine, but that's not the system we play, right? It's, it's like the, every single player on the pitch is putting a shift in. And uh, for me, I thought it was, I mean, I don't know if this is my imagination, but I thought it was a little bit funny because when he got, I think he came on, off the bench or in the second half and for the first 10 minutes he was chasing down balls and and i because i was watching him intently and i was like oh okay he's like put and then he just kind of reverted to type you know eventually he was like oh, you can just sit moseying around and just waiting for the ball to be passed so so i mean I'm, I'm glad he's in the squad he's a good guy he's a good option he knows where the goal is but as a um as an option as a second option to those starting 11 as a second option to bobby particularly um, you know, Rian Brewster has been the the exciting young player for so long now, right? He's he's the Michael Owen of this generation. He's the guy with all the hype. Uh, he's, you know, at some stage we have to take a chance on him, right? We have to give him a give him a go, right? And uh, give him a run of games. I mean, the problem is because the margins are so fine now for where we're at and what we're trying to do. It's not like we're chasing down fourth like uh, United are, you know, hoping to get into Europa uh, League. Uh, we can't afford to lose a single game all season long. And so when the, when the stakes are that high, to put a kid in like Brewster, it's a big, it's a big call, right? Um, so um, I don't know. I mean, I was, I was disappointed. I, to me, the smart move would have been to sign somebody like Timo Werner or somebody like him, somebody because what I what I've heard from football journalists around Europe was that you know he was happy to to not be starting every single game for Liverpool. Um, you know he he knew you know he had these three amazing players in front of him, 
and maybe Klopp had the the flexibility to go to a, a two as a four two three one, and you can rotate those four players and get more game time that way. It gives you so much more flexibility if you've got another player of the similar stature to those top three. Um, but if you don't sign that player who's there or thereabouts and knocking on that door, then you're stuck with the you know the four three three and the drop off from those starting three, the top three, from to someone like Brewster, even though he's a great guy and you know he's an exciting talent, or or uh, Arigi, is like night and day, right? It's like, and I think that's a problem because our game changes so much when you take one of those players out of the game. You take Salah, like we at, at different periods in the last two years, we focus on different players in those top three. At one stage, it was Salah. You know, Salah's out of the game were just not the same. They were not the same team. Then it was Bobby. Bobby opens up it, the game for those other two players. And now it's Mane. Mane's the, the focus. And, you know, he's the guy who just does everything. But the truth is they're just one player, those three players. They're so, you know, when they're, when they're on it, it they, they, they act as a single unit, like no other front three in world football. And so when we don't have that, for me, in my, my opinion, I don't know, but when we don't have that, other option like Timo Werner or there are players of similar ilk to him. Um, it's so difficult, right? You know, because how do you how do you take one of those guys out of the team and get the same level of performance from somebody like uh, Ryan Brewster or whatever? So I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I as it stands, I wouldn't be Maybe. happy with what we've got. I think it'd be great to get somebody else. But I mean, if it was if it was Brewster or Origi. Brewster all day, all long for me, and I think at some stage we have to take a chance on him. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really interesting, it's a very fair answer. Um, um, you know, maybe Tacky on the wing. Uh, Jamie, I don't know how you feel about it, our, our front options um, as they as they stand. What do you think? I think I like, if you take Tacky, Rian, and Divock as our, like, all of them as substitutes, I like them as options. I mean, I think, I've always liked the idea that Sonia's had Mane running at them for 75 minutes. He's, finally, he's coming off. And then you have Divic Rigi. He'll chase loose balls. And you're like, crap. I've just had like my ass handed to me by Sadio Mane. And now this guy, who's like twice the size and is going to push me around. And life is miserable. I hate being a right back in the Premier League. <laughs> it's actually like starting games. And that's what this season is going to be different is that we have a game every three days. We can't just say, right, go again, lads, go again, go again, the front three. Like, we're going to have to rotate them. So the question mark for me is, are any of them good enough to consistently, like if we're playing, say, Firmino and Mane, like, is Minamino or Origi, I'd say logically, are the two who play wide, um, are they really good enough to keep the, the tempo we need? And that's why I'm worried. Because I think... Taki, like Brewster and Origi, they're all central, really, uh, they don't probably see themselves as centre forwards. We don't really have a wide forward replacement who'd see himself like Mane and Salah as a wide forward. Um, you know, you might look deeper in the squad at Harvey Elliott, but he's probably too young and not consistent enough. Um, technically, we still have Harry Wilson, but I just don't think he's good enough either. So, yeah, I'd be worried about who could play regularly to let us rest Mane and Salah because I don't think any of the three substitutes that we have it's neither their position and they're not good enough at, at it 
when we ask them to come in and do 90 minutes. This is uh, another great answer, but it, you know that would be assuming that we do get an injury. Um, we've been so lucky with our front three in that they've stayed fit. Uh, it's amazing. There was a video posted on the 4th of September, four days ago on YouTube. It's there somewhere. Um, everyone should go and check it out. It's, uh, it, I think it's just called uh, Liverpool's front three or three or four years with the front three, something like that. You can find it. It's 33 minutes long and it's all of the goals from the front three since they've been together. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, I'm supposed to do work for the rest of the day, but I might cancel everything I have to do and just watch that on repeat because it's, uh, it's a glorious thing. So hopefully they're going to stay fit. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're all more or less agreed that we can we could do with another forward option and we could do with another midfield option. And this is for a team that got 99 points last year. So uh, we, 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 we're not that bad, really, are we? Uh, one final very quick question. Um, I have to go. So just very, very quickly, um, Doug, we got 99 points last season. We got 97 the year before uh, with practically the same team. Um, plus now we've got Menemino and, and Cater firing on, on all cylinders. So this time, I mean, the maximum we can get is 114. Are we going to get 112? Um, I think we'll be in between 95, 97 points, I think, this season. Again, ooh, and will wow. that be enough? <laughs> I think... I think that the title will be a lot closer this season. Uh, I don't. I'm not expecting us to, to run away with it like we did last season. Um, I think. Are they looking at it? Like Chelsea are going to be our biggest challengers. I think there's still something wrong in Manchester City um, squad. I know. I know Pep will be uh, you know gunning for us to you know he'll be gunning to try and get the Premier League title again. But I don't know. There's something missing in the Man City side, and I don't know what it is. I don't think they've replaced players again. Um, apparently Nathan Aki came off with a hamstring injury last night, so... He's not good enough anyway, I don't think. Excuse me. I don't... I, 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 think, it's, I think it's a good signing, but he's not Vincent Company level. Um, and, well, I mean, anyone's better than John Pebbles. Uh, sorry, John Stones. Um, <laughs> John Stones or uh, Otamendi, so any, anyone's better than those two, but... Uh, um, <laughs> I think I, I, I've said we're going to retain it, so I'm going to stick by my prediction that we'll retain it. I like it, Doug. I love the optimism. Jamie, how many points are we getting this season? I think if we get 90 points, we'll retain it. Because it's going to be a strange year with COVID. There's going to be, like you said, no gaps till February. Um, it's going to be all the teams are going to find it tougher this year. And mm. I think any team that gets 90 points which is a huge amount of points in the history of the Premier League. Like, the last two years have been ridiculous, but with some exceptional circumstances like, built into them that City and Liverpool pushed each other so hard, I think 90 points wins the league, and I think that's probably a realistic target as well for this team. I think City will still come second, only because I think Chelsea are going to do a Brendan Rodgers, um, who I know did come second. But Thiago... <laughs> probably isn't the answer to their defence in the way that Virgil is the answer to ours. It looks like they're going to start the year with Kepper in goal again. I mean, there's lots of really exciting things happening in the front three. And like, mm. it's, you know, but we've lived through that. 
we've lived through Sturridge and um, Sturridge, Sterling, Suarez, Coutinho, and it is so much fun to watch going forward. But when you've got Skirtle and Mignolet in goal, you're not going to win the league. And I think the Chelsea are probably going to live a little bit what we lived through. They may annihilate some teams and they might look really, really good on their day. But if you don't have the foundation, if you don't have that spine, it's too long a season and there's too many other good teams involved. I think we'll be a top three, though. I think there'll be a big gap between Liverpool City and Chelsea and then what I'd hope to be Arsenal, only because I can't stand United and I can't stand Mourinho. But <laughs> I think it'll be a breakaway three and 90 points will do it for us. I think as much as it annoys me, I think United will be up there in a top four. I really do. Like, if you look at their results, okay, they, they had a few hiccups since January, but but they've been really good since January and helped a lot by penalties and stuff. But, you know, I would imagine they could be, they could be challengers, not for the title, but, you know, third position. I, I, I see them, I see them finishing above City. I really do. I, I, I think it's going to be Liverpool. And then it depends on Chelsea if they sign another keeper. Because Kepa is... It's so funny, that stat, that he's the worst... He's got the worst save percentage of any keeper in the top five leagues. Did you know that? Like, the worst... Like, I'm trying to think of a bad French team. Lorient has a better keeper than Chelsea, you know? It's utterly nuts, that stat, that he's, he's, he's so expensive and so bad at just stopping shots. Um, <laughs> he's quite good at other things, but that's quite fundamental. Uh, so I would say Liverpool are going to retain it, and I'm going to say Liverpool are going to get 90... I think we're going to get 97 points. Uh, we're going to win it again. Brian, what do you think to finish? Um, I don't know, guys. I, well, I, I, okay, the good news, I think we're going to retain the title for sure. I think we are the strongest team in the league. That's clear. Um, I think this season is going to be the weirdest football season in the history of the game. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, it's just this whole coronavirus and all that kind of stuff and stadiums empty or full or whatever. I think that, that will affect things. And I think it, it kind of affects us more than most teams because our atmosphere and our identity is so, so integral to everything about us and how we play and the crowds, you know. I mean, we all love football, so we just like watching football, whether there's crowd there or not. But, you know, watching a game of football with a crowd, even in the pre-seasons when Salzburg, that Salzburg game, I could hear those, like, 1,000 fans. I was like, wow, what is that? You know, it adds so much more to the game. So I think we will end up in the 80s somewhere, I think. Uh, I think there might be some banana skins along the way, um, you know, where the atmosphere is so flat and there's so many games coming at you thick and thin that uh, we could drop quite a few more points than we've managed to do in the last two seasons. Um, I'm with you on, on United. I, I, you know, I've been following them because other than watching Liverpool, the next best thing is watching Man United lose. I love it. It gives me so much joy <laughs> in life. It's one of life's sweet pleasures. 
so when they're like a train wreck, it just I'm just so happy and giddy, and uh, and I've been be becoming more and more uncomfortable, you know, uh, with each particular game because they are putting it together and starting to play some football and starting to carve out their identity and uh, and yeah, they've been moving along nicely for me, and I think they're going to be back in in with in the mix this particular season you know i think they're starting to uh, pogba is starting to become less of a focal point and it's more about the team and and then and so i think yeah we'll have to keep an eye on them uh chelsea yeah i mean it's great stat with the goalkeeper i didn't realize he was that bad and it was like wow couldn't happen to a nicer club you know so <laughs> fully for them <laughs> um but i mean jesus what a what a team they're putting together there all those signings basically all of the all of, players that we wanted to sign for the past two years they've basically got out inside so i don't know i mean it's a big ask for frank lampard to put all that together i think you're right it's there's the shades of brendan rogers and that crazy team that we had you know about them you know as, as jamie quite rightly points out like if you don't have that solid back defense it's like it's all it's all fun and games but eventually that's, that stuff will catch up on you so um, I don't know. I'm just happy that the football's back. <laughs> I, I'll take it any which way. <laughs> yeah, you know. Absolutely. So, uh, but it's Liverpool for the title. I don't know if it's going to yeah. if it's ninety-seven. Great, you know. But I'll be happy if it's which whatever points wins us the league. That'll be enough for me. Absolutely, yeah. A beautiful way to finish. Thank you very much, Brian. That's a that's a marvelous answer. Uh, thank you to everybody who's watching. Um, and who has watched, um, which currently is one viewer. So thank you, viewer. <laughs> uh, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll put all this together, and it should be out as a podcast very soon. But thank you very much to, uh, to Doug, to Jamie, to Brian, um, and to the viewer who's just uh, tuned out. So um, <laughs> I'll speak to you again soon, guys. Um, guys. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. All the all the all the best to cheers. Here's where professional podcasters provide a seamless link from one section to another, but I'm not professional, and I like weird effects. So here's my friend. I'm thrilled and delighted and overjoyed. Um, over the moon, over many, over the many moons, to be joined by uh, Adam Marshall, who's, a, who's um, one of my one of my oldest buddies in life, and has always been a Leeds United fan. We've known each other since we were kids, uh, and Adam, it's been a long, long wait. Oh three, oh four was the season when Leeds went down, and finally. You're back in the promised land. How does it feel? Yes, it's tremendous. Back where we belong, some might say, after far too long a period of time out. Um, but in a way, I'm, I'm glad we've. it's taken this long, uh, in part because I think we're ready. I think we're ready for the challenge, whereas in the last 15 years, uh, there, there were periods where we certainly weren't ready. Um, so we're basically as ready as we'll ever be to take it on 
yes, it's marvellous stuff. Um, and what are your sort of expectations for the season? Because, you know, so many people are saying Leeds United are are my pick of the, you know, to, to surprise everybody this season, the dark horse, so to speak. Um, you know, do do uh, I, how optimistic are you letting yourself get? Well, clearly survival is the number one priority. Um, but in terms of anything beyond that, I honestly believe that that we will be. Uh, I don't think we'll trouble the relegation zone come the end of the season. I really don't. I think we probably. What would be a great target? I mean, somewhere in the top half of the bottom half, if you see what I mean. Somewhere mid table would be a, a great season. Anything above that, I think, might be uh, stretching the bounds of possibility. But. Um, I would be obviously more than happy to see us in in the top half at some stage, but yeah, I, I think we'll uh, I think we will survive. I'll say that now, and and hopefully won't be eating my words in uh, come, come next summer. I don't know. I like it. I love the yeah. You've got to be as optimistic as you like. It's absolutely right. You go for that top top half finish. You know, you can you can even beat Everton if you like in the Premier League. Finish above them. That would be very good. Um, although they do tend to win transfer windows, apparently. So watch out for that. Uh, but no, it's great. I think it's great that Leeds are back. I'm very happy for you. I know, you know, it's been a long wait and how, how you know, you've had a couple of close calls that we'll talk about in a bit. Um, but I just want to talk about this sort of journey for Leeds and Leeds fans. Um, the last time I remember actually watching a match with you in the same room, um, I actually remember watching the Champions League semi-final when Leeds unfortunately lost 3-0 to Valencia. Rafa Benitez's Valencia in Rafa's first season in charge. That was May the 2nd, 2001. Um, so you got knocked out of the semi-final. Uh, Pierluigi Colina was the referee. And if you don't know who that is, kids, look him up. He's the most amazing looking referee as well as uh, an absolute legend of the game. Your lineup that day included, you know, Harry Kuehl, who was absolutely unbelievable player at that time, Viduka, uh, Olivier Dacor, uh, Alan Smith, uh, Liverpool's Dominic Matteo. Uh, but unfortunately, you lost that match and you finished that season fourth. Only three years later was when uh, Leeds finished 19th. So that fall from the Champions League semi-finalist top four place to 19th and being relegated, Liverpool almost lived it. Ten years ago, we were in the midst of a, an opening run where we won only one match in our opening eight, uh, and we were in the relegation zone under Roy the Hodge Hodgson. But for Leeds, for Leeds it actually happened. Um, and then after relegation, like a lot of Liverpool fans, I'm sorry, I sort of only kept half an eye on Leeds United. What happened after that relegation in 03-04, so starting in the 04-05 season? What what happened for the first few years after that? Uh, well, I must correct. I'll start by correcting you. That, that, that Not correcting you, but I, I, there's another match that I do recall I was watching together, although it was a long time earlier. It was the 1995 game at Ellen Road where Tony Yeboah's wonder strike uh, one leads the game. I seem, seem to remember that was. That I do was, remember. Uh, yeah, so, and you said, you know, it, I don't mind losing games to goals like that, and that was. It, I think it still go down goes down in in Premier League history as one of the best goals anyone's ever seen. And he, I think he did it again about a month later against Wimbledon. But anyway, yeah. So let's 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 uh, fast forward to two thousand and one. Uh, I must say that when um, I 
heard of the the signing of Rio Ferdinand for what was the club record and still stood until about last week um, for for any player, let alone a defender. I did think where a Leeds getting the money for this, um, how, how they managed to you know make a world record signing of a defender, um, and I, I did just for the back of my mind, it wasn't a worry because you sort of everyone got carried away in the success of it all. Um, so then when the pieces started to crumble away and the financial sort of mismanagement came to light, yeah, it was, it was hugely disappointing. Um, and I, but I suppose in a way, the fact that, that it all derived from off the pitch activities as opposed to anything on the pitch, obviously there was a, there was a knock on effect to what happened on the pitch, but it wasn't the root cause. It wasn't that we stopped playing well. It's that the players simply stopped playing because they were sold because the club didn't have any money. Um, then what followed was just absolute chaos for 10 years, maybe. Um, there were, I think someone bought it out and then good old uh, Master Bates got involved towards the end of the. 2010s um so he's the ex for the people that don't know he used to be the chairman and owner of chelsea um but he sold out to roman abramovich in the sort of in the maybe early 2000s um and decided to take leads over and i don't think that was the best decision um because i think it's been pro- proven now when you talk about owners, you want them to be as uncontroversial and 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 happy to spend money as possible. Um, and I think you know Master Bates was neither. Um, and so eventually he sold out to I think it was Cellino uh, or Cellino. Maybe actually I know there was another conglomerate who was mired in in, in um, controversy, something to do with Dubai. And then Cellino came came in, um, who was another absolute nutcase. Um, and so I, I just think the, the the club was never on a on an even keel. So and this was an even keel off the pitch, regardless of what happens on the pitch. But but generally, if if you're not on an even keel off the pitch, you, you never will be on an even keel on the pitch, um, because there was just there were managers that were there for a month, and then you know they'd leave, and then. I think Cellino was banned from owning the club because he um, he got done for tax evasion. But then he appealed that decision in Italy, thinking that they could reinstate him on the basis of that appeal, awaiting you know a decision on it. And things in Italy take months, if not years, to be decided. So he thought he'd side the rules, but he didn't. He didn't manage to side set the rules that that way. And finally, Radrizzani took half of the club, and then eventually took the whole club in 2017. And ever since, it's just been, you know, joy after joy after joy. Um, he immediately, I think, got rid of the manager at the time. I can't even remember who he was. I don't care. Um, and Bielsa came in, and it's just been unbelievable ever since. He's just made such a difference. And, I, and we can only put it down to him because he had, he's not really spent much money. He's, he's had the same team, and he's just brought... This this amazing success to to a team that was a, a, a you know lower to mid table championship side to to a team that could arguably be a mid table Premier League side. Um, he spent a bit of money now as well. So obviously Radrizzani's put his hand in his pocket, and the, the San Francisco 49ers who own 
I think they might have upped it to 10% now. And so, yeah, I think generally we, we, we try to forget the past, but, you know, you mentioned it earlier. I mean, would I have preferred to have been in the Premier League for the last 15 years, one nothing like an Everton or a Spurs, and just being a really dull mid-table Premier League team? Probably not, because it just now it makes it all the more sweeter uh, to, to, to be back where we belong um, than have been there for 15 years sort of in, in this swampy, mid tabley sort of, you know, nothingness. <laughs> yeah, uh, Liverpool fans can relate. Um, there's something absolutely marvellous about waiting for 30 years for a title as much as, you know, you know, all the pain that Liverpool fans have been through in that time, it almost does seem worth it. Only this morning when I woke up, I just had the image of Jordan Henderson smiling and lifting the Premier League trophy because I'd, I'd forgotten for the first two minutes when I woke up that Liverpool were, in fact, the Premier League champions. So, yes, the sweetness of the victory is, you know, ex- is extra honeyed. Uh, after you have to wait for so long, it's absolutely true. Uh, but yeah, so um, it, am I right in saying that there weren't too many false dawns before Bielsa came in then? It was just, he came in and he changed everything. He just made the players and the team much better. Yeah, basically. That, I mean, in terms of false dawns, I think there were two seasons after we were relegated in 2006, we reached the playoff final. Um, and we lost, I think it was to Watford. Um, so we, we, we could have, have conceivably bounced straight back into the Premier League, but just because of the things that were happening off the pitch, it, it would have, we'd have gone back down very soon because it just the, the stability wasn't there. Um, and then last season, obviously, that was a real sickener, um, you know, with the, uh, the Derby County um, stop crying, Frank Lampard, Leeds are falling apart again. Which is a you know a, a joy division classic, um, and you know we we will sing it now because we're up in the Premier League. We don't care. We'll, we, we'll <laughs> carry on. So I think they were singing it at, at, in the stadium after we were promoted. So so great. <laughs> but yeah, in terms of false dawns, last last season was a significant because it, there was a, a risk that Bielsa could have left, and if that had happened, that would have been a complete disaster. I, I I just can't see any other manager that would have that would have taken it on and and, and gained promotion. So I'm just so glad he stayed. And he might not even be here at the start of the season because I don't think he's signed his contract yet. But um, I, I think I think he will. Uh, well, he hasn't signed a contract yet. So, I mean, what, it's, it, it's going to expire when? Well, I think it expired in, in June. Um, but there may have been some form of interim extension. But I, I don't think he's officially signed the, the deal. But he, he has been at both pre-season games. Um, so I, I think it's just a formality, um, and you know, understanding the man himself, there's probably he probably pours over the contract word by word, line by line, and 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 makes sure everything's completely as he wants it before he'll sign. Um, if if his you know his, his studying of, of opponents and 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 PowerPoint presentations and the like is anything to go by. He's a fascinating man, isn't he? I mean, he's. He... He may not have signed a new contract, as you say, but, um, you know, 
he's had uh, counting them one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve different uh, jobs including the argentina national job from 98 to 2004 um famously he's a huge influence on people like pep guardiola um and other top managers in the game um he's i speak to people uh, in France uh, about him because he managed Marseille and he managed Lille here and everybody speaks so very highly about him. He's eccentric, quite famously. Um, he's 65 years old. Um, but what, according to you, is his formula for success? Like, how does he, how does he do it? What, what, what tactics does he use or what kind of, where does the magic come from? Well, I, I'm un, I'm unsure. I, I do hear that that clearly his research is is just unsurpassed by by any other manager. I think in in terms of the the level of detail he goes into um, in studying opponents. But having watched them now for a couple of seasons, I think his start. And I understand from the training pitch as well. They they play this uh, twenty minute or, or half an hour short burst, high intensity. Um, one on not one on one T- team matches not eleven I think it's like five or six aside, um, and there's no throw-ins, no free kicks, there are no stoppages basically. So the ball is moving constantly, 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 and the players dread it because it's so sapping in terms of energy. So one of his, I think, his fundamentals is fitness. He has requirements for all the players that if they if their body weight, sorry, body fat percentage goes above a level. They just won't be selected and they need to go back to the training pitch or the gym and, and work out until they're to the, the, the proper level. And that is what I understand. I, I, this isn't gospel truth. It's not been confirmed by anyone. But I understand the uh, Jean-Kevin Augustin, Augustin, who we signed for, um, I think, from Germany uh, or, or was it Leipzig. Uh, last season, towards the end of last season, he, I don't think he played. He played one game maybe. Um, and he was quite a heavy set guy, quite a big, powerful guy. And I understand that he, he just simply couldn't adhere to the to the fitness regime. And well, so, for one reason or another, we, we just had to. Uh, he, he he left. Um, he left, and it, it may have cost us money. But I think my understanding of Bielsa is, you know, you either do it his way or you you don't do it at all. Um, so I think it, it, if I characterize the way we play now it's very pressing dynamic that the ball's always moving we our possession statistics for i think nearly every single match we played last season we were by far and above the the more possessive if that's the right word the the, the team with the most possession by by a high margin it's in every single team we played i think but that may be more reflective of the way the teams tried to play us which is sit back let us get frustrated Let's get try and get tired, but we our fitness levels are way higher than than any other time side in in the league, and then try and sneak a, a goal on the break, which it did work a few times, but that's just a you know Bielsa didn't really even when we were down sorry even when we were two two three nil up, he he wouldn't like some managers take off a striker and put on a midfielder or a defender just to sit on a lead. He'd never I've never seen leads in the last two seasons, sit on the league and sit on the lead and try and protect it. It was all about moving the ball forward, you know, possession, attack, attack, attack. Um, so 
I think that's what that's his mindset. That's what he brings to the to, to the game, and that's why it, it's a, it's been a pleasure to watch. I must say, I must say, um, you know, barring the the heartbreak of losing a couple of uh, key games, it, it's just been a, a pleasure to watch. So, am I right in, in suggesting then that uh, Liverpool fans who have seen us play, you know? Teams like uh, Red Bull Salzburg recently, Leipzig, these kind of teams that are just high press, super intense teams. That's what Bielsa is probably going to bring uh, against Liverpool, or, or will he have a you know particular special plan to surprise us? No, I I don't think so. Um, I think the the only the only unknowns are obviously the the new players that we've signed and and the players that that have left. So Ben White's a big big loss. Uh, in in the defence, but we have signed Robin Brave Sir Robin Koch. I think you pronounce his surname, but you know you, you can you can mispronounce it hilariously <laughs> if you like. But uh, I think it's pronounced Koch, um, and he hopefully will be a, a, a direct light for light replacement for for White. And then again, I really hope this Rodrigo that we signed uh, from Valencia will, will will turn out to be a, a goal scorer because if there's one thing that may be missing or may have been missing in the last couple of seasons is a real proven goal scorer um, because we, we've had so many chances. I mean, the chances we create in matches is, is ridiculous, but we just don't seem to convert them enough. So um, there's another... If you, if you like weakness potentially in in the leads or has been in the last couple of seasons in the league side, but, but as I say, maybe this, this new signing might might bring some change there. A question I like to ask uh, all of the guests who come on from who support the other teams is: if you were setting up to play against Leeds, so if you were Liverpool, what gaps would you try to exploit uh, in in Leeds if they have any? Well, yeah, I mean, what a lot of teams, as I say, had success last season was catching us on the break um, because we do like to push forward and move the ball quickly. Um, and, you know, with the loss of Ben White, I've, I've said to you, you know, privately, Owen, that, that Cooper, the other centre-back, does have the odd mistake in him now and again. Um, and uh, I, I I understand Meslier will, will or Millier, will be our first choice keeper and, and Kiko Casilla, the daft racist, might be off. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what happens on that. For, yeah, for those who didn't know, last season he was banned for, he received a lengthy ban from the from the um, football, not the Football Association, the league, the Football League for proven um, racist remarks or, or, or something he said to a player, a Charlton player. Um, so there was a question as to whether he should have gone, he should have been sacked basically by the club, but they didn't, but he hasn't really played a first team game. I don't think since, but although he did play I think, a couple of pre seasons, but I'm hoping he's on his way. And Gamelier, who's a really good uh, goalkeeper, he'll come in. But if we do play Casilla, he's, he's an absolute loony at times with his decision-making, um, you know, running out almost to the center circle, trying to clear balls and, Ah, oh, just crazy. Uh, he so towards the end of the last season, not the season just gone on before. He he uh, he nearly put us in stuck a couple of times. So I think if he's playing, I, I'd be a bit wary. But if Melier's playing, then then there's no problem at the back in terms of goalkeepers. Um, yeah, and as I mentioned, there's yeah, 
potential. I, I think that there's a, obviously a, a, a gulf in quality in terms of the Leeds and Liverpool lineups in, well, in terms of value potential, possibly market value. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think they'll wear them down and tire them out because, as I say, Leeds are probably one of the fit sides around. So yeah, if we don't score in the first half hour and we, we have a few chances that we miss, then then the Liverpool quality might. So I'd say be patient potentially is is, is a key word for Liverpool on uh, on on Saturday. Great, great answer. Um, one you know slight concern for Liverpool, possibly Trent Alexander-Arnold. Uh, well, he said he might be a doubt. So apparently he played for England. I don't know, uh, but. Uh, yeah, I heard that he played for England, but he he hasn't played in any pre-season. So, um, you know, on the left, we're fine. Andy Robertson, probably the best left back in the world. But at right back, if we do have to play someone who's not Trent Alexander-Arnold, um, we've got young Nico Williams, a young Welsh guy. Uh, I'm sure you know, all the listeners know what a great young talent he is, but he was a little bit suspect in the charity shield against Arsenal. Uh, and that's one thing that, you know, possibly his naivety is something that Bielsa, with all of his experience, could exploit. Have you got good pacey wingers in the Leeds team? So, yes, um, we do. Luke Ayling is, 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 I've seen a couple of, there were a couple of goals last, I think towards the end of the season where, he tracked back um, to to tackle someone in our in our penalty box, and then he literally sprinted up the uh, up the right wing to to provide the ball to um, to Hernandez to slot at home. I think it was against Cardiff. He's like a super fit. He's not the, the quickest, but he's certainly uh, he, he's quick enough. So he he's, he'll, he normally plays right back, although he sometimes plays in the in the middle. But he'll probably be the right back, and then you've got Alioski, who's a, a dynamic. Terrier-like um, lunatic, he he really is. He's the Joker in the pack. Um, so you know, whenever you see videos of them uh, arriving at the stadium, he'll be the one, you know, flicking people's ears and trying to, you know, jokingly trip <laughs> them up. He, he's he's that sort of <laughs> character. Um, and he, you know, his 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 hair's sometimes blonde with this weird sort of wedge. And then it will turn back. And then you see him. Um, I, I saw some footage of him in the summer DJing. At some, I think they were in Greece somewhere uh, behind the decks, you know, trying to mix the records and not so successfully. I'm not sure Macedonia's <laughs> renowned for its, uh, its taste in, in pop music. But, um, yeah, so he, he's on the other side. So I think, I think they'd be the first choices uh, on Saturday, all being well. Very nice, very nice stuff. I shall look out for his haircut. Um, and how do you feel about facing Liverpool first game of the season? I mean, Liverpool, current champions. I mean, I'll never get bored of saying that. Current champions of the Premier League. Um, is it, a, you know, a beautiful way to start? Do you, do you sort of fancy yourself, uh, you know, as a, you know, the outsider here? You know, there's no crowd, of course. Well, yeah, that's one thing. Um, there isn't a crowd. And, you know, having watched the games towards the end of last season um, without the crowd, it's almost like the uh, someone's pulled back the curtain on the Wizard of Oz. You know, you just hear the, these guys shouting at each other and then you can hear the ball sort of ripple against the net when it goes in the goal and they just say, yeah, well done, and walk back. And there's just no, it's not a spectacle. 
mean, uh, it, when, when there's no crowd there, it's, it's such a bizarre thing to to behold. Um, but what am I expecting from Saturday? You know, what what better way to to start the season than than right in the deep end? You know, if if we're going to prove ourselves, if if we put on a good show, we play well, and we lose, everyone expected it. We play well, we get a draw. No one expected that. What a great result! And if you know, lo and behold, we we go on and win it. It's just an amazing thing to do. So there's basically not there's, there's zero pressure on Leeds United at all. Uh, all the pressure's on Liverpool, so we'll just see what happens, I suppose. It's very true. It's very true. Um, it's it's it, it does feel like that a shot to nothing. Um, and just for the listeners, um, you know, I, I, I did some research as to where our rivalry comes from, because of course Leeds and Liverpool are you could say traditional rivals, and there are lots of Liverpool fans who. Um, well, it seems about 50-50, you know, amongst people I've spoken to, about people who actually don't want Leeds to come up because they see them as a big rival. This rivalry comes from Bill Shankly against John Reavy in the 60s and 70s. This was a huge managerial matchup. Uh, started with the 1965 FA Cup, which Liverpool won 2 1, of course, Ian St. John in extra time. And then in 1966, Liverpool won the league title as Leeds finished as runners-up. But then Leeds pipped Liverpool to top spot in both 1969 and 1974. So this is the origins of a rivalry that had, uh, you know, I remember in our youth, there did seem to be a sort of violent element uh, amongst the crowd, you know, between the two sets of supporters. So we don't want any of that nonsense. I'm going to say thank you very much, Adam, for you've given us wonderful insight into this Leeds, this exciting Leeds United team. And uh, just, you know, on Saturday, may the best team win. Thank you very much. Indeed. So there we are, with a Jittery joy, normally reserved for crack addicts who have just acquired another ruinous rock. I bid you farewell, dear listener. But before the Arnold Schwarzenegger hand of this episode flips a bird and slips into the molten lava, let me just remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at Copon Podcast. You can support us on patreon.com forward slash Copon Podcast and you can send us your holiday brochures to coponpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you a billion, jillion, bajillion times for listening. You are beautiful. You are wonderful. Bring it on Saturday. The footy is back.